My name is Damalari Sonoiki, and this is not another industry podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to my favorite people and the most inspiring people from around the entertainment industry. So everyone from actors, uh, models, writers, producers, uh, influencers, and all, all, all of that, uh, anyone in the, in the entertainment industry. And even like entrepreneurs as well, too, because why not? And uh, so, But this episode is going to be a little bit different. It's a solo episode. Uh, I'm going to do a recap of... Uh, the Drake show at the Apollo. Uh, so I went to night two of Drake's show at the Apollo um, recently, and it was just a really, really good show. Like, I was very, very, you know, uh, impressed. Actually, like, who am I? But it was it was just a really good show. And so I, it made me think about, you know, Drake's sort of legacy, right, and, like, where, he's, where he stands sort of with all the greats and how he's kind of been able to be uh, this voice of a generation and it made me think a lot about, you know, I think that as a television, there's something I learned in TV writing that reminds me a lot about what Drake does. Like something that like sort of a, I think every sort of great artist has a, some sort of superpower, right? I think that they're, they're really, really good at, and you know, rappers are no different. And I think um, Drake's superpower power is something that I think is you know, one of the keys to his, the way he's able to connect with people. And like, you know, the way he's, ha- the reason he's had this longevity and be, been able to go, you know, this guy who was, a Canadian child actor uh, playing a character in a wheelchair to become this massive, massive uh, star, this massive rap star and just star in general. And so I want to talk about that as well, but just to recap. So I see got announced, you know, months ago that Drake was going to do this, this one night at the Apollo and then it got postponed. Uh, it's supposed to be in November. And then I was, you know, when I heard, it, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. Like he hasn't, you know, he hasn't performed publicly um, in anything's in like some small private performances, uh, I think there's like a New Year's thing, maybe like a for like a some sort of charity gala, 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 um, or something. But not hasn't performed since you know Scorpion, right? Since 2018, you know there's, there's been the, there's been the pandemic, there's been all these things. A lot's changed in five years. A lot, you know, a lot of projects have come out since then. Uh, Dark Lane demo tapes. Um, what's it called? I should <laughs> I should probably know this. Uh, CLB. Um, honestly, never mind. Her loss. Yeah, I mean a, a lot has come out uh, since then. And so, you know, it was good. I was like, oh, this, this is going to be a moment, right? Like one night only at the Apollo. Um, you don't, you know, and also just the fact that you're never going to get to see someone of Drake's stature at a small venue like that. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like I was looking up bad bunny, um, was doing 3.7 million per show in Latin America and 11.1 million per show in the U S. And if you, let's say, I mean, Drake, I, I looked up the Aubrey and the three Migos tour, um, RIP takeoff and, you know, that one was 111.21 million box office for 54 shows. So that's 2 million gross per show. And obviously there's been, you know, inflation and uh, just Drake is bigger since then. So if you just assume that a Drake show is going to gross, let's say 4 million, for it to work at a 1,500 capacity place, each ticket would have to go for like $2,700. Which, you know, so you're just never going to see someone of Drake's stature really at, an intimate venue like that. And even if you look at it, it was a, they didn't sell tickets. It was, it was a serious XM partnership. Like it just wouldn't make sense really to, you know, for someone who can pack out a stadium to do a 1500 person venue. So I knew I was like, oh, this is going to be like a really, really dope moment. And I definitely want to be in the building for it. And so a friend of mine, he, uh, this guy, Armand Sadler, he, he writes for, uh, he's a hip hop uh, reporter at vibe magazine. He's also a, a very big Drake fan. And so, you know, we, we, we talked about it, like, you know, he was excited about it and it got postponed to December because of 
takeoff's uh, passing, RIP. And then, uh, so I was, you know, I was going to go in December and I was talking to a buddy of mine who is, uh, you know, who's very, very close with Drake. If you, if you ever listen to, you know, Drake's always name dropping, which I'm going to talk about a little later, which I think, you know, one of the, which has to do with the thing that I think is one of the keys, you know, keys to his success and his superpower. Um, but he's always name dropping, right? So if one of the people who he's frequently name dropping uh, in his music, one of his very close friends, me and that person were talking, you know, he wanted me to help him with this project that he was working on. And so I was like, I was like Hey, I'll, Hey, I'll be in New York, uh, you know, this weekend or this week or whatever. We'll, we'll let's talk then. And he said, Hey, uh, so right before that, he was like, Hey, if you're going to be in New York for this show in December, it's actually not happening. It's getting canceled. Or it's getting moved. His I have to find his exact uh, wording, but like it's not going to happen. Um, I can't remember if he said it's not going to happen that weekend or if it's not going to happen at all. But um, you know, he so I was like, okay, well that's great. And so that was a few days before. That was like quite a few days before it became kind of public that uh, that, that it got announced. Um, that it got <laughs> that it got announced. Oh yeah, yeah. So he said, uh, "I was like, hey, I get to New York Monday. I'll try to, do, you know, whatever the the, pro- the project that we we're talking about." Uh, and he he said, "Just got word NYC is canceled, FYI. So if you were going for that, uh, then then cancel it. You're welcome." I was like, "Okay, well, yeah, thanks." Uh, and I had other, you know, I still ended up going to New York. I had other kind of business and stuff to attend to, and you know, uh, people out there. Uh, but I told my friend Armand and a couple, other, you know, another friend. I was like, "Hey, this thing looks like it's, it's canceled." And you know, a few days later, it got you know, it got announced that it was moved to January. And um, Armand had given me the, the new dates, which was like 21st and 22nd, it, you know, two nights. I can't remember when it went from one night to two nights, if it was when it, when it got a, the takeoff thing or if it was uh, when it got postponed again for, uh, quote, production delays. But it was it was now two nights, uh, January uh, 21st and 22nd. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll still go. Although I could only go to... Um, yeah, I could only go to the okay. Yeah, so I got he added a second date the first time I got pushed back. So when takeoff died, added a second date, moved it to December, and then December my buddy's like, hey, it's not, it's it's canceled, and then you know a few days later, um, they announced that it's in, you know, that, it, that it's been moved, that it's been postponed. Well, I don't think they had announced the new dates at that time. But anyway, so Armand's like, hey, the new dates are January twenty first and twenty second. A friend of mine was getting married on the 21st. So I was like, okay, I'm not obviously not going to miss that. It's one of my closest friends. Uh, congratulations to him. Although they had already been married. Uh, they did the, you know, the COVID, like go to the courthouse and then have the ceremony and everything later. So I was like, okay, I'll go on the 22nd. Um, and, you know, I had other, other stuff to do in New York as well. Um, but I went and I remember, you know, kind of, because you had to win tickets. It was like a serious XM Ralph. And I was like, okay, I'll just go. Like I, I met Drake in 2016 and I'm not like ever gonna act like we're like best friends or something like that. Like I'm on his Christmas card, but you know, we, we between he'd have parties at his house. We had a lot of mutual friends, and he would be at Delilah all the time, and just kind of all these kind of private parties. You get to eventually just be, become a face, and so I got to know a lot of the people uh, over there, and even you know, like the one guy who uh, he's like I said, he's uh, someone who he, you know Drake is always name dropping. He's one of those people who Drake frequently mentions in his music. Um, and then this other guy uh, who uh, works works very closely with the with the with the team. Uh, works professionally um, with, with them. He had asked me. He had reached out to me around the time of her loss to um, uh, to write something because you know if you know during her loss they had all these skits and this kind of rollout. They did the uh, the uh, kind of a uh, fake tiny desk and the fake colors and the fake SNL performance and then the fake uh, uh, Vogue cover and the uh, Twenty One Savage. What's in What's in my bag? 
uh, video. And so, you know, he'd asked me to stuff for ideas for one of those, uh, one of those skits that they did. And so, you know, I, I known the guys for a while. So I was like, okay, like I should be able to get a ticket, um, from, you know, have one of them put me on the list. Although I was kind of, I wasn't sure because I think, you know, New York, I've been around long enough that whole them and also just other, other kind of similar situations where one, it's New York. So it's not like LA where it's like, Oh, you're, they're always there. Like New York, you know, Drake's, doesn't really perform there often and he's, or he's not he's just not there often and so that means that everyone around him like if people are hitting me up for tickets then the people who are around him are getting hit up by a but like way more people uh, for tickets and just for hey like you know can you hook me up so that means because you know, there's going to be a, b- a bunch of pent-up demand because you know he hasn't performed there he hasn't really been there um and then also the apollo again is like a is a very is a very small venue it's a 1500 capacity venue and so i was like okay like i don't know like i'm gonna you know, hit up, hit up my, hit up my guys, uh, for tickets, uh, to be on the list. But I, you know, there's no guarantee because again, this is a 1500 capacity venue and it's also, I'm asking pretty last minute. Um, but I was like, you know, whatever, like, I'll just go, I'll go to New York. I'll figure it out. And so, you know, I got, you know, my friend got married, um, congratulations. And then that was Saturday night and then Sunday morning, I, you know, I got, went, got to New York, um, kind of, 12 you know early early afternoon and so i hit up a few people and then i called you know i was like okay i gotta like you know i gotta get these tickets so i called uh the buddy who had uh you know who had one of the guys who works very closely with drake and who's part of the because also like for that type of thing like not everybody in their mama can put people on the list you kind of have to be like pretty uh i don't know so he was like i called him somebody voicemail but he was like hey i'll he hey i'll just put you on the list like you know whatever so i was like all right boom perfect and so I, you know, I got there around, you know, I don't know, seven something. And it was, um, you know, like I'd already seen the set and everything the night before because, you know, the, all, all the videos and Armand did really good, you know, he was posting on Twitter and everything. Um, and so, you know, I saw this, I mean, it, you know, it was amazing. Anyway, so the set list, which I did not put this together. This is um, another, a website that kind of keeps track of all these things. Um, the set list, it was Over My Dead Body, Wu-Tang. Well, okay, it's like 50 songs long almost, but. It's you know, Over My Dead Body, Wu-Tang Forever, Trust Issues, Marvin's Room, Say Something, Feel No Ways, Practice, Jaded, Jungle, Karaoke, Best I Ever Had, Over, Headlines, Hell Yeah, and Right, I'm On One, Start From The Bottom, No New Friends, Energy, Know Yourself, Nonstop, God's Plan, Laugh Not, Cry Later, Hold On, Going Home, Controller, One Dance, In My Feelings, Passion Fruit, then uh, Uzi came out and did Just Wanna Rock, uh, which really turned the, turned the place up. And then he did XL Tour Life, and Drake came back out, did Way Too Sexy, Wait For You, Massive, Calling My Name, Sticky. And I guess it says that Yeba, there's a, I guess they, they just played One More Smile, which is by uh, Yeba. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And then Yeba's Heartbreak, and then uh, Dipset came out again. I remember the, the, I saw the Dipset came out the first night, um, and I thought, okay, maybe it'll be somebody else the second night, although they had like a very specific Harlem set for Dipset. So I was like, people were like, well, they'll probably come out both nights because they're not going to probably use that set just once. And they were right. So uh, Dipset came out, did Oh Boy, Hey Ma, Certified Gangsters, and then 21 Savage uh, was about to come out, do Rich Flex, but then somebody fell or jumped. And so things got paused for like 15, maybe even 20 minutes. Got paused, let's say like 15 minutes. And the lights came back on. Weren't really sure if the show was going to go on or not. And I thought, especially after the whole Travis Scott thing, like, you know, obviously, you know, RIPs, the people who, uh, you know, who lost their lives at Astro World, not saying, it, you know, it's Travis's fault or anything. Um, but you know, after that I thought, okay, maybe they're going to like shut it down. But 
Uh, no, like the show uh, went on, and so they did Rich Flex, Privileged Rapper, Spin Bout You, Jimmy Cooks, Knife Talk, and then Drake closed out with Legend. And then I guess kind of not like kind of so anxious, like singing the the parts of So Anxious that kind of sampled on Legend. But yeah, it was a really, really good show. And I think what the thing that was really dope about it is that there was kind of a narrative arc, right? Like there was like there were set pieces. So like Drake's um childhood kind of basement bedroom was recreated and he's like sitting you know starts off over my dead body like sitting on the bed and you know it's kind of like recreating that like you know where, where he wrote a lot of his early songs in this basement with his mom uh in this basement you know where he lived um you know as a child with his mom and then they also had a set that was kind of like a record label executive studio and so he talks about how he um you know coming to new york which for toronto you know i, I haven't gotten to know all those guys and people from Toronto, like director X and just everyone who's kind of in that uh, Toronto music scene, you know, New York for them was like making it like they, they, they would pretend they were from New York. They would, they would speak with New York accents. That's why it's such a big deal when, you know, Drake and other people started kind of speaking with their actual Toronto accents. Like they very much wanted to be American. And so to get to New York and then get turned down by every single label. So they had this kind of actor who was pretending, you know, who just sat there pretending to be a label executive and uh, you know they had like a voice, like a pre-recorded kind of voiceover where he's like, "Oh, Drake, uh, you're the guy from Canada, right?" You know, basically just like being you know very dismissive. And then you know, so it was like there's like a, an actual production piece to it, which you never really get a lot of times in in a rap. Uh, and like I love rap, like you never really get a lot of times, right? A lot of times it's just like kind of, almost like karaoke, like the DJ's playing the music, and no, you know, the rappers kind of the backing track is really doing everything right. The rapper's not really performing, but like, you know, it was actually a performance. Like there was a, you know, his microphone was on and there, you know, he was, you know, his, his voice actually sounded really good. And, you know, they had these set pieces and like a real story arc to the whole thing, um, which I know, you know, and like, and also just like lights and, you know, it was, it was really, really, really well done. Um, yeah. The, give you a nice little, you know, lanyard, give you some t-shirts too, or, or a t-shirt, but I, I like forgot my t-shirt. I, I like lost it somewhere. Um, you know, shout out, thank you for taking care of me, putting me on the little, you know, they have the little envelope, um, thing, um, whenever they put you on the, the, the that list. Um, but yeah, I think, it, yeah, it's really well done, but anyway, it, it made me think also just about, you know, there's like how Drake's managed to become so big and like connect with something, like just connect the way he does. And it made me think about, so there's something that like Kenya used to say, uh, Kenya Barris, creator of Blackish would say when, you know. Like writing for Blackish, I feel like I got to go to school almost under Kenya Barris, who is, you know, the greatest writer, um, comedy writer, uh, like right now. And there's something he always he would say, which is that like the specific is universal. And it's funny, I used to think it was just his quote, but now that I'm like kind of I was recording, I was like kind of doing some research for this video. And um, it turns out that it is, I don't know if he got it from, you know, if he got, if Kenya got it from this person, but, um, this is James Joyce quote. The writer, James Joyce says in the particular is contained the universal. Well, the idea is that like getting specific, like make like, if you want to make something appeal to a lot of people, instead of making it very broad, make it very specific. And if you think about comedy writing, that's something that, you know, all the shows that get made, right. Blackish is based on Kenya's life. And it's, it's always funny to me when you see people say, oh, he's always casting these light skinned people in black, you know, black AF and blackish. And it's like, yeah, it's based on his life. Like, that's what he, his kids look like. That's what his wife looks like. Uh, if you look, you know, 
Tracy Ellis, Ellis Ross's character is named Rainbow. Um, Kenya's actual real life, you know, the time of the show, um, real life partner. I hate when people say partner. I guess, yeah, spouse. Um, is her name is Rainbow, and so, but even taking it away from Blackish, like if you think about all the shows that get made, at least comedy wise, it's things that are based on people's lives, right? Like Lena Dunham, Girls. That's like that's her life with her sort of like Jewish Upper East Side friends who went to kind of Oberlin and like these, you know, kind of Northeastern liberal arts colleges with, with parents who were like in the New York art literary scene. Um, Issa Rae, Insecure. That's, you know, she grew up in LA. Um, black woman, obviously, you know, dating, trying to grind on your career and also like date. And so that's based on her life. Uh, Fresh Off the Boat, based on, you know, Eddie Wong's life. Um, it's Eddie Wong, right? Um, but all these shows, I mean, <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm, obviously, is, you know, based on, um, yeah, it's Eddie Wong. Uh, but, but, yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm, based on Larry David's life. Even if you go back to Seinfeld, right? Kind of, big, I mean, well, I don't know how, if he had friends like, Jer- like, uh, like Elaine and Kramer and stuff, but, um, you know, all these shows, you know, Lena Waith, uh, it's not a, com- like, The Shy isn't a comedy, but Lena Waith grew up in Chicago. Um, but yeah, if you just like peel back all the layers, um, the more kind of specific you get, it makes it kind of appeal more broadly. Um, you know, like Kenya grew up in kind of like, I think Inglewood then became a successful writer and moved to kind of Sherman Oaks, like a nice neighborhood in the Valley in LA. And so that, like that, like that show is about that experience. It's a very specific, specific experience. And I think with Drake, he's able to, I think that's like his superpower is is in his specificity, right? Like he gets really, really specific when he writes. Um, I think of other comedies that like drill this point home. What comedies are still are on right now? Um, let's see what comedies. Um, let's see what comedies are on network TV. I mean, yeah, black. I mean, whatever, blackish. Um, Insecure, Girls, Fresh Off the Boat. All these things based on the characters. Oh, Abbott Elementary. I mean, her mom was a teacher, right? Like, there are all, all these things I feel like. I mean, I feel like, right? Like, they're, they tend to be based on the life of, you know, like the Goldbergs, I believe, is based on, like, the guy's childhood. Um Let's see the Goldbergs. So Adam F. Goldberg, he's a pro- yeah. So I think it's literally, um, he's yeah. Adam F. Goldberg is the creator and showrunner of the TV show The Goldbergs, a television sitcom based on his childhood. <laughs> um, so yeah, like making things that are very specific. You know, these shows end up having broad appeal because the specificity people can relate to, and so I think that specificity is sort of Drake's superpower. In the sense that, like, if you if you think about all, like, the, let's say all the big rap- rappers, right? All the greatest rappers. Which I think, like, you could say Drake is one of the greatest rappers. Um, Nas. His superpower is, like, his rhyming pattern and syncopation. Like, I can't play music, you know, for on YouTube and, like, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, whatever. So I'll just, like, say the lyrics. Just imagine that I'm Nas. Also, shout out Nas. He's, uh, his, he's very close. He's very close to Blackish because his uh, cousin's mom is, or his, Yara Shahidi is Nas's cousin's daughter. So yeah, Nas came to set during my episode and like Nas would come around and 
I met him at Harvard years ago, and he also put in word for me for a pilot that I got, which is really, really dope, uh, which he didn't have to do. So shout out to Nazem, shout out to, to Yara and her mom who who helped Yara's mom who helped make make that happen. Um, but anyway, so Nas, right? His superpower is sort of like his rhyming patterns, his syncopation. Uh, in music, syncopation is like a variety of rhythms played together. I'm reading the definition to make a piece of music, making part or all of a tune or piece of music offbeat. So more simply, syncopation is a disturbance or interruption of the regular flow of rhythm, um, a placement of rhythmic stresses or accents where they wouldn't normally occur. If you think about Nas, like his rhyming pattern, his flows, like they're very syncopated. Um, you know, rappers I monkey flip them with rappers I monkey flipping with the funky rhythm I be kicking. Musician inflicting composition of pain. I'm like Scarface, Stephen Cocaine. You know, New York State of Mind. But like all those little pauses, right? Like rappers I monkey flipping with the funky rhythm I be kicking. Pause. Not pause in the sense of like the whole like, you know allegedly like homophobic thing, but like he pauses, um, you know, I'd be kicking musician inflicting composite. So, you know, all that. And also rhyme, uh, Nas's other superpowers, like those internal rhymes, right? Like a lot of rappers just rhyme at the end of a bar, right? Like, you know, if you think about like old school kind of hip hop, you know, a hip hippity hop and you don't stop, you know, whatever, like you rhyme at the end of a bar, but, um, you just rhyme like one syllable. Um, you know, like the rain, I was going, let's make it rain. I'm going to go to Spain, you know, whatever, like you rhyme that one syllable and it's always at the end. Whereas like they're, you know, and Rock Kim was really the pioneer of this, of like multi-syllabic rhymes. And then also, you know, and then also internal rhymes. So, you know, Nas, like I said, like rappers, I monkey flip them with the funky rhythm. I be kicking musician inflicting composition. So like, that's like a rhyme. That's like, how many rhymes is that in that one line, right? Uh, flip them. Rhythm, kicking, musician, inflicting, composition. I'm like Scarface sniffing, cocaine. Like that's what monkey flip him, rhythm. Well, monkey flip him, funky rhythm. I be kicking, musician, inflicting, composition. Uh, I'm like Scarface sniffing. That's like seven seven rhymes in like that one, and then like two bars basically. Um, and then if that's a New York State of Mind, obviously, if you don't, if you don't know. And then one of my favorite Nas songs. One of my favorite Nas songs. Um, Memory Lane, where he's like some fiend screaming about Supreme Team of Jamaica Queens. Th- <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. And then one of my favorite Nas songs, um, Memory Lane, where he's like, some fiend screaming about Supreme Team, a Jamaica Queens thing. Uptown was outposted on her. He was Kingpin. But yeah, just in that one line, like fiend scream, Supreme Team, Jamaica Queens thing. That's three rhymes in like one line. And also Kingpin later. And then if you, um, what's that? Oh, here's my basis. My razor embraces many faces. Your telephone blowing black stitches are fat shoelace. I mean, whatever, right? Like, Bases, embraces, faces, a lot. Or um, it ain't hard to tell, right? It ain't hard to tell. I kick a skill like Shaquille holds a pill. So skill, Shaquille, pill, vocabulary spills, I'm ill, plus Matic. That's, uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, so here's my basis. My razor embraces many faces. Your tail blown, blown, black stitches of fat shoelaces. That's memory lane. And then, it ain't hard to tell. 
you know, I kick a skill, like a kill, holds a pill, vocabulary spills, I'm ill. Plus matter, you know, whatever. So that's a lot of a lot of rhymes. Um or it ain't hard to tell again. Um packing like a rasta in the weed spot. Vocals will squeeze glocks, MCs eavesdrop, though they need not to sneak. My poetry's deep, I never fell, Nazis round should be locked in a cell. It ain't hard to tell. So that's I mean, weed spot, squeeze glocks, eavesdrop, though they need not like that's a lot of bars. And it's not like it's almost like the Eminem lyrical miracle thing, but instead of it's, it doesn't feel, f- and not, Eminem's great, but it doesn't feel f- forced, right? It's not like, oh, like that's an awfully hot coffee pot. It's like, these are, it feels, it's just very effortless. And then Biggie, I think also same thing, like flow, his voice, his flow, his kind of syncopation, like B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A, no info for the D-E-A. So like those pauses, right? That's syncopation. And then same thing with his, you know, packing a lot of, rhymes in a small space right like my downfall i dream filthy my mom's and pops mix me with jamaican rum and whiskey so filthy mix me whiskey huh what a set off should have put some dead off wipe the sweat off because because in this world i'm dead off squeeze let off like that's what set off dead off sweat off dead off again i guess let off whatever um long kiss good night i make your mouth peace obese like della reese when i release you lose teeth like little cease mouthpiece obese della reese release loose teeth little see that's six oh nigga please blood floods your dungarees that's that's like eight rhymes in like two two lines um so anyway that is you know i'd say that's biggie's superpower like a lot of like dense rhymes but then also like and then syncopation you know um they see me in the streets they'd be like yo he nice but that's on the lodo be the cats with no dough try to play me in my show i'll pull out faux foes and go up and they close that's like what Lodo, no dough, play me in my show, fofos, go up and they close. That's a, a lot of rhymes and small on pace. Space. Space. Uh Jay-Z. I think his superpower would be more like his persona, right? Like he's just fly. He I mean, he can rap, obviously, he, he has bars. But I think his if you were really gonna say like his rap superpower, it would be his kind of you know, Jigga man, his persona. He's he's he, I mean his flows and stuff are fire too, but you know, getting money, right? Even if you think about like um like Jay Z was kind of one of the first people who was just really, really known to be making a lot of money because he 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 had his own label, uh Rockefeller. Then he started, you know, he was one of the first people to kind of branch out, do the rock aware thing, everyone everyone making clothes. And, you know, Sean John and um whatever that uh label, uh what was the Eminem's clothing label line? What was Eminem's clothing line? Um whatever Eminem's clothing line was, right? Um, I'm pretty sure he had one back then. It's gonna bother me now. Um, but anyway, you know, back when all the rappers had uh had clothing lines, right? Um, but you know, Jay Z was one of the first. Maybe it was Shady. Maybe it was like Shady Wear or something. Shady Lim. I don't know. Um, whatever. Um, Eminem clothing brand. I swear Eminem had a clothing brand. I guess it's just Shady, Shady Limited. Anyway, whatever. Um, the point is that Jay Z, his is kind of that that hustler persona, like his his sort of superpower. Like, yeah, he can rhyme and everything, but a lot and but a lot of his superpower is wrapped up in his persona. Like even if you think about that song DMX, what's my name? He's like. Look at these off, look at all these off brand niggas running around yapping about they be holding figures as big as jiggas. That's a, a like rappers very competitive. That's another rapper 
talking about how much money another rapper has, saying like, "Yo, Jay Z has a lot, has a lot of money," or even like um, when he's on, "Can I get a what what?" Like, if I wasn't an eight figure nigga by the name of Jigga, like having eight figures in nineteen ninety nine, I believe when when "Can I Get a What" uh got came out, that's like a lot for a rapper. I mean, that's a lot today. Um, so I think the Jay Z superpower is sort of like his persona. Can I get a what what? That was oh, that was nineteen ninety eight, right? So eight figures, nineteen ninety eight money. Um, you you add Biden inflation to that. Um, that's a lot. Um, and I th- I'd say like Eminem, his is the same thing. Like his multi-syllabic rhymes. Like people make fun of the whole like the same thing as sort of like Nas and Biggie to an extent. The multi-syllabic rhymes, although he doesn't have the same type of syncopation where he, it's like a lot of pauses. But um, you know, people make fun of the whole lyrical, miracle, spiritual thing. But if you look at um, I think as the world as the world turns, um, when he's like class clown freshman dressed like Les Nessman after next lesson, I'll pass the test guessing, like freshman Les Nessman next lesson test guessing, like that is, you know, you can kind of say the whole lyrical miracle whatever, but like that especially back then, I mean even now, but back then, it's um, you know, like I mean it's 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 uh, Eminem. And even like if you think about the the, first, the beginning of the way I am, like I sit back with this pack of zigzags and this bag of this weed, it gives me the, the shit needed to be the most meaningless. Like this this pack zigzags, this bag, you know, all that like internal rhyme, all this tension dispensing these sentences, getting the stress that's been eating me recently off of this, ch- you know, like tension dispensing sentences. It's like very very dense rhymes. And then Tupac, I think his voice, right, like. Who thinking elementary? I see that just like that. I see the penitentiary. Like his voice, his persona. There's a reason like Ja Rule and DMX, short hair, or like bald, you know, um, bandanas. Like everybody, you know, Lil Zane. You know, not that he's the not that Lil Zane's the biggest rapper ever, but like he he you know copied Pac's whole flow for for certain songs. Um, and like Pac had songs where he really really flowed too. Like if I die tonight, right? Like, um that song some other songs we really really flowed but if you think about pockets it's like his activism his passion you know the whole black panther of it all um and just that like his voice where you could really just feel it like you really felt Pac. so i think you know with um drake his superpower yeah he can rhyme all these things but i think his superpower is that he gets very very specific and that specificity allows you to relate to him right and so it goes back to that quote right whatever kenya said about like basically the specific like you know, again, blackish literally is, I mean, and Kenya said this before, like Anthony Anderson's character was going to be a TV writer, but that was just not as relatable uh, for audiences, I think. And so like he made him an ad executive because it's very similar to writing for TV where you're sitting around a table kind of talking to your uh, coworkers. It's, it's, it's not, it's not isolated where you're sitting at a desk by yourself. It's a, at a table, like the whole thing, you know, Kenya had five kids, blackish, they, there were four kids. And then, you know, Kenya had another another kid, and back as they went from four to five kids. Like it's very like it's very specific to his experience. If you go same thing, if you look at Issa Rae, like her, I mean Issa Rae, the character on the show is literally named Issa. Um, so yeah, it's like just making things very very specific. And I think if you just look at like a lot of Drake's bars, right? Just like one thing that he does a lot, he like name drops, right? Like um, and that makes something very specific, right? You can say like oh um, you know I love my friends, I love my dog, whatever. But he'll be like oh you know. I'll be with my nigga Chubbs. He in love with street shit. Like he's na- he's saying these people's names, right? Um, or um, what else is like very specific, right? Or even if you look at From Time, where he's saying, like another rapper might say, "Oh, the the girl I really needed was this, you know, this girl I used to date who worked at Hooters." But he's like, "No, like Courtney from Hooters on Peace Tree," which I know he got some flack for that and a little bit of backlash. 
because it's like these some people these people are private citizens and so when you kind of say their name even if you don't say it in a negative way it can kind of invite um you know a profile that they didn't want um but even you know if you see like the remorse right has it hard to pay 40 pay noel pay nico back all the nights i needed to advance to someone in cj set all the nights chubbs was pulling up where i need him at all the times mark was making sure that my luggage packed like he's naming names naming specific things that they did and so i just think specificity right makes something relatable like getting really 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 specific And I think if you're a writer, like if you write music, if you're trying to write a, write a pilot, like for a TV show, if you're trying to write a film, just making it really like just getting like, how can I make this more specific? Like, how can I get more and more specific about this? Because like I said, all these shows, if you think about all these TV shows, and like there's a reason. All, I mean, there are other reasons that shows end up, end up being based on people's lives because, you know, they, they know that, hey, this is based on your life. You'll never run out of ideas, which means you'll never run out of episode ideas um but anyway like if you look at um middle of the ocean right he's like i'm at the i'm in the masoni room at the bibelos you know like we're going from the vava to sink on sink you know like back to the like he's not saying we're going from the club to the restaurant he's like he's naming everything like he's specifically um he's getting very specific um like what else i mean even you know club paradise right like now I'm that guy that knows them strippers by their real names, Rochelle, Jordan. Like, I'm sure there were strippers literally named Rochelle and Jordan. Um, or what else? I'm just trying to think of other examples. Of, or even like from time, right? Um, he's like, my mother is 66 and her, her favorite line to hit me with is who the F wants to be seven years alone. Like the reason his music is so confessional is because he's dropping. Like he could have just said, oh, like I've already, you know, my, 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 my mom, you know, someone, so-and-so tells me that, you know, who the F wants to be alone? Who the F wants to be 70 alone? He's like, he's dropping like, my mom is 66 and her fa- this is her favorite thing to tell me. So it's just getting more specific um, versus just saying, oh, like who, who wants to be 70 alone? Like adding the, the biographical detail um, that, you know, that, it, that it's your mom and this, and this is how old she is. And this is like, I think that's why so much of Drake's music serves kind of as like time markers, right? Because people like, when you're making music that's that, that's that specific, it kind of sticks with the listener. Cause now like you always hear people saying they, they miss the old Drake. And it's like what they really miss a lot of times is like, they miss because that like this, you know, it's like, Oh, like when take care dropped, I was dating this girl and I was living in this dorm and I was like, you know, I was going through this situation. And so like I miss, so like it's going to be hard to replicate that because you're not in that place. You're not, you're not dating that girl anymore. You're not, you're not in that situation anymore. Um, I think like, specificity is just like a writing superpower, right? Like that is what is able to elevate um, sort of like mediocre writing, whether it's songwriting or other, other types of writing um, to kind of be like superior or for example, again, like uh club paradise, right? Like they said, that all your, they say that, all, they say that all your old girls got somebody new. I said, damn, really even Rosemary, even Leanne silly again, like just na- like, actually I'm not just saying the keys to just name drop, you know, to, to Hey, just like get like, just drop as many names as possible, but just like little things like that paint a picture and make it just more vivid and just, you know, I think make it more, I also think there's a reason that like why, like this is a little bit separate about why a lot of college students kind of relate to Drake or people who went to college relate to Drake. Cause I think it's like, you can kind of, you know, it's obviously a very different situation, but like leaving like Drake's whole things, like he left, he left Toronto and he would come back and it's like, Oh, these girls, these people who, you know, who, 
he knew like they're not waiting around for him. Like they're like they they're dating new people. They've gotten engaged. They've gotten married. They've they're, like their lives have moved on. And so I think in a very small like in a very small way, it's similar like going to college. Like you go away and then you come back. You come back home for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and maybe you know maybe not even spring break. Like you come back from home for Thanksgiving for Christmas. A lot of times, not even the summer because you're doing internships. So maybe like the beginning and the end of the summer. And so it's like, oh, these people's lives have kind of moved on. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think just other examples of like being specific. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, another thing, right? Like I think say what's real. Prior, I think this is when, you know, uh, not that anyone could have predicted that Drake was going to be, you know, uh, who he was. But I think this is probably the line that I, like if I were to think of like, oh, when I was like, oh, this, this guy's special, this guy's different. It'll probably be say what's real where he's like, you know, um, watching Ho's show, embarrassed to pull my camera out. And my mother embarrassed to put my phantom out, so I park about five houses down. She said I shouldn't have it, and so I have the crown, but I don't want to feel the need to wear disguises around, right? I think any other rapper would have just said, oh, I have a phantom. Like, look at me. I have a phantom. I'm a baller. I have a phantom. And he's like, but, like, that's not very relatable, right? Like, a lot of people can't relate to having a phantom because a lot of people just don't have phantoms or, or cars that are similar. But what a lot of people can relate to is, like, having a parent who disapproves of your spending habits or just disapproves of something that you did period. Right. So taking something that's like really, really un- like not relatable at all, having a phantom at like freaking, you know, 21, 22 or whatever at, at the age of, say, of, uh, of, um, so far gone to something that's like very relatable, which is like, Oh, like, you know, your mom doesn't want you to have this thing. Like she thinks it's dumb that you spend your money on this. You know, you, you can see those tweets that go really viral. That's like, Oh, people who live at home, but they're always getting packages. Cause they were always ordering like clothes and stuff. And it's like, your parents kind of look at you like, yo, like, you know what's up it's like hey get, get your money out mom um but yeah so i think just like stuff like that that just makes it um takes stuff that's like not very relatable and then makes it more relatable or even just like uh talking about specificity right like if you look at which is really funny like on middle of the ocean those bar middle of the ocean i remember on twitter when it dropped everyone was kind of laughing at those bars because it's like you know for your birthday your boyfriend got a party bus bottle signs club line should have come with us you know, we let that shit in oh now when we was coming up. Or, you know, for your birthday, your man got a table of hibachi. Last time I ate there, Wayne was doing numbers off the cup like Yahtzee. And Paris Hilton was steady ducking the paparazzi. Quavo made up minus sent me a song that you call Versace. You know, whatever, right? And I think, you know, any other rapper would just be like, oh, you know, your boyfriend's lame. You know, your, your boyfriend's lame. I'm I'm cool, your boyfriend's lame. Like, how many bars just kind of equates like, yo, your boy, your man is lame, your man's whack. Versus Drake being like, your boyfriend got you a party bus. You know, your boyfriend got you a table of hibachi. Like getting, that's like another way of just getting very specific. It's supposed to just saying a very broad thing, which is your boyfriend's lame. I'm cooler than your boyfriend. You know, I'm better. Um, and then also just like, you know, doing like kind of first person. Like I think, you know, I remember during, um, what's it called? During the Rap Radar interview um, around the time, I don't know, like a, few, a couple, a few years ago now. Jeez, time flies because of the pandemic. Everything uh, blurs into one year. But, um, you know, I think it was B-Dot uh, that said on Rap Radar that said that his favorite Drake song, Drake's best song was The Ride, which I think Drake was like disagreed with. But I was like, okay, I-, I can see why you would disagree with that because it's saying that your best work is like from 10 years ago. But I do think, you know, there's an argument for that. And that's another song where it gets very kind of first person, right? It's like um, taking this thing that's really, unre- like, that's really not relatable, which is like being a star and then taking it and making it very relatable by like kind of doing a first person sort of point of view of what that looks like, where he's like, you know, and you, you do dinners at French laundry and Napa Valley scallops and glasses of Dolce. That shit's right up your alley. You see it going, you ask about her, you know, basically it's saying like, this is what it's like 
and painting it very vividly, right? And using these specific, you know, scout like that's a very specific visual, right? Dinners at he's not like saying dinners at French laundry. Like he's not saying, oh, you do dinner at fancy restaurants. It's like dinners at French laundry in Napa Valley, scallops and glasses of Dolce. Like it's painting a very, very vivid picture by getting very, very, very specific. So yeah, I think specificity, just if you're writing, whatever, like whatever type of writing you're doing, if you're writing a comedy, you're writing a drama, you're writing a, you know, whatever you're writing, um, getting specific, I think is just a key to elevating that piece of writing. Also, let's see funny things from the show. So there's like this little kind of friends and family section. And so like KD was there, Odell, um, Aaron judge. Well, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't watch baseball, but I, I thought he was like a basketball player. Um, I just saw like a tall dude next to me. Um, with like kind of like a, a big head. Um, but anyway, so oh, the, the mayor, the funniest part of the show is probably that like the mayor, Eric Adams, because everyone's talking, say he says he's so mixy, but he he was like came he came by that kind of friends and family area. He was like chill, was friendly, but just a, a couple times throughout the night where they would like he would be like moving from point A to point B within the show, and he had this like phalanx of NYPD officers like two in front, like two in front of him. They had kind of like fancier sort of jackets than the normal NYPD. I don't know. They, had, they just, it was as if he was like, the, like, it felt like out of a Batman movie. Like he was like the president. They were like, oh, they'd be like, the mayor's moving. Like, hey, the mayor, like, hey, stop, stop. Like, no one's moving until, hey, get him back up. No one's moving until the mayor. It's like, I see Eric Adams is going, he's, he may be president someday and he was eating it all up. But of all the people who, like, if you were to rank the people who were, like, people were most interested in, obviously Drake. And then probably KD, and then maybe Aaron Judge, and then maybe Odell. Like no one was really that pressed for the mayor, but it was just like they were moving him as if he was. You would think it was like Barack Obama, like multiplied by the Pope. Like just the way they were like, yo, the mayor, the mayor's moving. No one move. Like hey, 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 clear this area out. We're, we're about to move the mayor. It's like we're like relax. No, I don't. I think the mayor. I mean, you know, obviously he's an important guy, and it's not like he's the mayor of like a small. I'm not gonna name a specific town. I don't wanna upset anybody. Um, but he's not. He's the mayor of some really tiny town, like Mobile, Alabama, or something. No offense to Mobile. Uh, he's the mayor of New York, but it was very funny. They were just making. They were just getting very, very fussy about him. Another thing I thought about uh, as I wrap this up is you always hear. I remember like with um, like like what's that show? Uh, Rory and Mal, they're always kind of like have this kind of jaded view, you know, like, oh, like basically they're not ever pressed about anything, right? They, they, make, they make fun of people who kind of will post pictures with Jay-Z, like, yo, that's my, that's big bro, you know, shout out big bro. You know, that, that type of thing where you take a picture with a rapper that you like, you don't really know, or or a athlete, you're like, yo, you know, big bro said keep working. And I do think like when they do that, I understand, like, I see both sides because like I was, I mean, not to that extent, but I definitely when I moved to LA, I had to get, you know, if I was around you know, whoever, right? Um, not whoever, but certain people, I was like, oh, I gotta get a picture. And obviously that's a way to, it's like not a smart long-term move. But I understand I understand for most people, you know, they're not going to, for most people, it's like, you're not gonna be around that person ever again. So it's like, oh, I wanna, I wanna capture this moment. This means this, this is, this is incredible. But, you know, in that, being in that little section, it made me think about how like, like there was a guy who walked, who came up, was really wanting to get a picture with Katie, like really, really wanting to get a picture with Katie. And, you know, he was, he was asking the person who, like there was like this, kind of bouncer who was she was turning out she loved drake uh she was like you know he was asking her like you just want to get a picture with kevin like with kd like just you know whatever and she was kind of like oh yeah also rich climber was there shout out shout out to rich climber i'm um, in the whole 35 uh, 35 ventures um but you know like he was like oh, I, I was like oh this you know that's you know because these guys they want to just be left alone 
And I think there's the other flip side of it where people are like, oh, but the reason that you have all this money is because you have these fans, so you should kind of service them. Um, but anyway, he was he really wanted to get a picture with Kitty. And, you know, I, he ended up asking, like, Kitty's security. And Kitty, and Kitty was like, all right, all right, yeah, fine, you get a picture. Dude got the picture. Like, two or three minutes later, he comes back, he wants to get a video. And, like, Kitty's just like, well, like, come on, you know? And it made me think about looking, I mean, I don't think I was ever that, that, that extra, but looking back and just like the importance of, you know, you always hear people in the entertainment industry talking about, especially music, you know, you know how to move, like how to move, right? You gotta, you gotta know how to move. And I think that, you know, I'm like, what do you mean how to move? Like you, you, you know, you move like one foot in front of the other, but that's a real thing, right? I think that, you know, I, I think about like Zach Bia, right? And shout out to Zach Bia. He just dropped a song um, with uh, Don Tolliver as part of you know, his compilation. But everyone's always been wondering, like, well, how did Zach be? You know, how did Zach be? A, you know, you, I read, like, it's crazy when you read crazy, like, you read lies about yourself online or when you read lies about people you know, right? And I think, you know, I've read so many crazy things about Zach Bia, and it's like, oh, he, um, you know, his dad's this big Dior executive, or he was a, he's a dealer to the stars, or he, you know, he's got blackmail on some sort of celebrities, or he, like, and it's literally like Zach Bia is just a guy who knew how to move. Like, he was an, ins- there's a, there's a couple, there's a thing, there's a, there's a group, in um, LA that owns kind of the, the spots, the bar, the restaurants and clubs that all the celebrities go to. And especially like from 2015 to like 2018, 19, like you would go to, you know, a, these, you know, the, the nice guy, Delilah, and you'd always see like faithfully every night to the point that people were camped out. Just like teens would, would, would like camp out outside of the nice guy or outside of not really Delilah as much, but you know, outside of these restaurants because they knew they would, they would get a glimpse of Kylie or Kendall or, or Bieber or whoever. And so, you know, Bia was an, especially an intern to the owner of the, of that group of, 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 uh, that hospitality group basically. And Bia was just kind of tasked with like, Hey, you know, this celebrity's out back, you know, cause obviously celebrities usually come through a back door. So, Hey, this celebrity's out back. Can you go get him? Hey, this celebrity's friend, you know, uh, needs some, uh, you know, wants some cigarettes. Can you run to the store? And then that kind of grew into, Hey, um, you know, that, that kind of grew into, kind of promoting and then you know all these celebrities were like hey this this guy's like chill he's not in my face asking for a selfie he's not like oh dude like bro like he's not you know he's just he's just there like he's not being he's not doing anything that's going to make himself noticed right he's not being annoying he's not asking me for a selfie he's not saying hey can i facetime my friend she's a he's a giant fan of yours and like i just want to let him know you know he's not doing a bunch of things to prove that he was here with me and so they always kind of started taking a liking to him and that you know, he kind of took off with that. Like, it's not anything more sinister than that. Or I think about a buddy of mine who I was able to meet out there, uh, Eddie Bansky Gonzalez, right? He has a, he has a podcast with, with Kevin Durant. And I think my understanding of how that podcast came about is that Eddie would, was a gigantic LeBron fan on Twitter and would be kind of just like talking crap about KD on Twitter. And KD responded from a, from one of his burner accounts and they kind of started DMing and now they're like best friends. He was at the show with Kevin um and he you know now they have a podcast together right and it's like not fa- like for anyone who wants to be in the industry like this this applies to probably a very small select number of people but there's a ton of value in just not fangirling or fanboying right like not in just being you know like not not like acting like you've been there before even if you haven't been there before right and that's like a, you know that's it's a lot harder to do right it's like it's very easy for me to I've been there before and not, you know, I'm whatever, like not have to like, yeah, I got to take my phone out and Snapchat. Oh yeah, I'm with Kevin and Odell and you know, whoever else. But, um, you know, so it's definitely harder if you've not been there, but I think for people who like aspire to work in the industry, 
like literally, you know, it's crazy when I see all these things about Zach Bia again. Like literally, he just knew how to move. He was, he just, he was, you know, he was around, intern, kind of promoter. People saw, they just liked him because he wasn't, he didn't bring any attention to himself. And so I think, you know, for anyone who's kind of aspiring to be in one of these kind of entertainment type of industry, you know, this is quote unquote, not another industry podcast. Uh, I guess I'll end it on that is, Hey, just like be, you know, be chill. I certainly wasn't in my, you know, my early twenties, I was definitely like, you know, I got to pull the phone out. I got to get the picture with, you know, I want there's I've archived most of them, but go through my Instagram. There's like, a, you know, go, go back to like 2016, 2017. Um, but you know, I th- think, or right. It's 2015, 2016 really. Um, but yeah, I think that was just something I thought about when I was there. I was like, oh yeah, like this. especially when I saw that guy like kind of come up and you know Kevin let him get the picture, and then he's like, oh, I gotta get. It. And just seeing you know Kevin Durant's like seven feet tall, so it's hard. You can't really hide. And to be fair, I will say like people did leave him alone for the most part, and also I mean, he was also in this section that was kind of like friends and family. Um, but I think that you know that's one piece of advice that I think people who are trying to navigate the quote unquote entertainment industry. Uh, could probably use is to just be, you know, just don't basically just don't do anything to bring attention to yourself. Like, be you know, hey, like if you you know, because you can like really fumble, like, yeah, you'll get that selfie that you can post and get however many likes, but then whoever that person is isn't going to they'll never see you the same way again. They're not going to think of you as like a peer. They're going to think of you as like a fan. And by the way, this 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 only this advice only applies to like a very small number of people who you know, are trying to have careers in the quote unquote entertainment industry. So anyway, that's the point of this. Um, shout out to the whole team. Thank you for hooking me up. Appreciate it. Appreciate the love. Um, amazing show. I hope they, there's gotta be a video of it sometime. I really think, you know, every, every s- musician has to have that kind of iconic performance. And I think this might've been that for Drake. Like it's a really iconic um, performance, an iconic location, Harlem. And I think even just knowing, you know, he has that line, um, I think it's a family feud where he's like black excellence, but when it comes to me, it's not the same though. Um, and I think, you know, you, people kind of forget because he's Canadian because he's like half Jewish, or I guess, I don't know, I guess if you're half Jewish, you're just Jewish. Um, that he's, you know, that, that, that like the things about black, like when we celebrate black excellence, people don't really ever think or talk about Drake, like having a $500 million music deal, doing everything that he's done. Oh no, it was diplomatic immunity, not family feud, where he said black excellence, but when it comes to me, it's not the same though. All good, you know, whatever. And so I do think that, like, you know, Drake at a, you know, he, even he was even even if he's light skinned um, and Canadian at a venue like the Apollo in Harlem, two nights just saw, like really really brought it, really really did honor to that location. And like you could tell, like you know, the friend, you know, when I when I got the ticket, like I, I kind of flattered my way. In. I was like, hey, like I saw the videos from night one, like. I know you must have put a lot of work into that. Like that, it looked amazing. I'd love to see, you know, whatever. And, but that was true. Like the set was really dope. Like it was very, there was a production value to it. And so anyway, Rachel, I hope there's a video on it sometime, but yeah, any writers specificity, get specific, you know, don't say, Oh, I used to date, you know, the one that I really wanted was that girl. I used to date, you know, the one that I really wanted was that girl who worked at Hooters. No, Courtney from Hooters at Peace Street. And like, honestly, I know that like, I think that's a line that he might regret because I think she, that brought a lot of attention to her, but just in general, right? Like just think about the way he is specific that he, you know, he's not, yo, my boys, he's saying, Oh, you know, Nico Chubbs. No, yeah, he's, he's dropping the names. Um, yeah. So that is this episode. Oh my goodness. It was not supposed to be this, this long, but, um, yeah. Catch you next episode. Have some cool guests line up, lined up and uh, make sure to follow the show.